following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Again, we would like to welcome you this morning, and we are so excited that you're here with us. If you missed last week, we have just started a new series, a series called Sacred Marriage. Um, and, and in this, uh, in this series, we're, we're taking some principles from a, a book called Sacred Marriage by, uh, by a guy named Gary Thomas. And, and we've been looking at, at what, a, uh, what a healthy Christian marriage looks like. And last week, Pastor Jordan shared um, a a couple of challenges to us in our marriages. The first was to uh, revive the romance, to continue to pursue your partner. The second was the challenge to to make God happy, to understand that the purpose of our marriage is not to make ourselves happy, not to fulfill some void in our lives, but it is to bring glory and honor to God. And when we do that, we will be fulfilled in our lives. We will um, enjoy that marriage relationship, but the primary purpose is to glorify God. And as we started to uh, look at this series and started to talk about, okay, well, what, what do these messages look like and, and what are we preaching on? The, the first thought that always comes to my, my mind when I start talking about marriage is the example I had of my parents. My parents this summer celebrated their 42nd wedding anniversary. So they got something figured out, right? They, something has worked out well. Uh, and, and when I was growing up, my parents were the, they were the couple that when we went out like to eat or we went to a, a baseball game or a football game or something, everywhere we went, mom and dad are holding hands. My dad always had his arm around my mom. You know, it wasn't uncommon for me to wake up in the morning and come out to the kitchen for breakfast and there's dad with his, his arms wrapped around my mom or he's kissing her. And there's nothing more traumatic for an elementary or junior high student than to walk into the kitchen for breakfast and see your mom and dad making out. It's just, it's awkward. Um, but, but I will say this, as I have grown, I've come to really appreciate that about my parents. The fact that they were willing to show their affection to one another. And they didn't just do it physically. They, they showed my brothers and I how you love one another spiritually how they took care of each other um, in their spiritual needs, how they took care of each other emotionally. And what, I've, what I have looked back on and really come to realize is that this was, was profoundly shaped, not just my, my marriage with Aaron, but it's shaped how I interact with every relationship in my life. The way that they sacrificed for one another, the way that they gave to each other, the way that they took care of each other, always came back to show me, this is, this is how you love people. This is how you, you take care of your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think scripture is, is very clear in teaching us that our marriage relationships are to be an earthly picture of God's perfect heavenly love. So whether we're married or not, we can look at, at marriage relationships and healthy marriage relationships and the biblical commands when it comes to our marriages. And whether we're married or not, we can look at it and say, this is how I love people. This is how 
how I can show God's love to those around me. So this morning, we're going to look in the book of Ephesians, New Testament book of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to look in chapter five. Um, Chapter five of this book, uh, Paul opens this chapter in verse one and two uh, with, with this instruction to the church to be imitators of God as dearly loved children. He says to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And then by the time we get to the passage we're going to look at in verses 22 through 33, he's given us what this looks like in a marriage relationship. He's saying, here's how you walk in love. Here's how you imitate God in your marriages. So I want to read this. We're going to start in verse 22 and read to verse 33. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and he himself, its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This morning, we're going to see two challenges, two more challenges uh, that come from, from these verses. The first challenge is this, submit to one another. Submit to one another. Paul's very first words in this passage, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Even as I say that, there are people who, who, who kind of shy away from that verse. Like this may rub you the wrong way. There may be something about the, this verse where you're going, wait, 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 wives, submit to your husband. Some of you wives may be thinking, why should I submit to him? Why, what's, what's the point here? And I, I think the problem that we come into when we approach this verse is that we see, we read these verses from our perspective, from our cultural perspective. When we read the verse, the word submit, uh, from our cultural perspective, it, it, it's really a dirty word. Like to submit is, is often understood as this weak defeat. Like it's giving in. It's being forced into an unquestioning obedience. The best example of this I can come up with is uh, if you follow uh, MMA fighting, ultimate fighting, something like that. There, there is this thing called submission holds. Right, So if I'm fighting a guy, I step in the octagon. This is how you know this is an illustration because this will never happen in real life. Okay, if, I'm, if some guy wants to fight me, I'm running. Opposite direction, full speed, everything I got. So let's say I step, in, in, I step into the octagon and I'm fighting this guy. And I get him in you know, some, some arm, arm lock or something. I don't know what you call it. I don't follow this stuff. So I get him in this, this arm lock. He has two choices. He can submit. He can tap out. And say, you win, you win. 
You got it. Or he can let me go till I break his arm. That's what we think of as submission. It's I have to give in to whatever you want as long as you'll let me be. But when we approach this passage, we have to look at it from a, from a biblical perspective. What's Paul actually saying when he talks about submission? Well, biblical submission is, is simply giving up your will to the will of another. So biblical submission is, is simply giving up your will to the will of another. It's allowing someone else to take the lead. See, so, so it's not this weak position of giving in, of surrendering, of, of saying, look, do whatever you want, just leave me alone. No, it's, it, it's a powerful position. It's a strong, active choice to say, I do have my will. It's not saying I, I, I no longer have desires. It's saying, I trust you. I will, I will set my will aside so that you can lead me. It's allowing another's leadership. And, and as, as Paul continues in, in verses 22 through 24, he said, this should be done as to the Lord, just as the church submits, just as the church sets aside its will to the will of Christ. So when we read that, we should see that this isn't something done on an earthly scale, right? There's nothing inside of you and me that goes, oh yeah, I really want to submit today. We're, we're selfish at our core. We want our way. We want our will fulfilled. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can submit just as the church steps aside and says, Jesus Christ, whatever you say, we as a church will do. We as a church will be. This submission requires humility. So this submission um, requires us to understand our place, just as the church understands its place in relation to Christ. The church doesn't try to rule and reign over Christ. No, because we know who Jesus is. We say, you are the powerful God. We are your people. We understand our place. And, and so too, when we submit to one another, the, the point is to, to know who we are. That example of Christ is, is evident very clearly in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it tells us that our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being one and the same with God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he set himself aside and he took on humanity. He made himself nothing for our sake. He submitted. He took that, that position of humble submission for us so that we as a church could do the same in return. Well, and this, this comparison is now fitting because in verse 24, Paul tells us that the husband is the head of the wife, the same as Christ is head of the church. See, when we read that, there are some who would take that to say, well, okay, the husband's the head of the wife, so wives, you should do everything and anything your husband tells you. I think we missed the point. Right? When we read this, what we should be reading in here is that husbands, there is a huge responsibility laid upon your shoulders. You are to lead your wife well. You are to conduct yourself 
in your authority the exact same way that Jesus Christ conducted himself from his position of authority. That's not some, that's not some forced obedience. No, no, no. Jesus Christ led with grace and with compassion, with humility as a servant. Remember, setting himself aside for the sake of the church, for the sake of you and me. So husbands, we lead with grace and compassion. Okay, and, and let, me, let me kind of step out of, out of what we're talking about here for a second. And, and I, wanna, I wanna say this as, as a kind of a side note that I think is important. When we read these passages, you will see many wicked men using this verse as a justification for their sinful acts and the way they treat their wives. This is not what it's saying here. If you are someone who is, who is in a position of, of abuse in, in your marriage relationship, let me say this, get out, okay? You run for safety. We're not talking about divorce here. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. But do not ever let anyone tell you that because the Bible says submit to your husband that you should stick around and take abuse. No, no, no. Your responsibility is to protect yourself and protect your children. End of mini sermon. Let's get back to the point and. But, but this whole thing of, of we as husbands are, are to lead with grace and compassion. Because 1 John 4.18 tells us there's no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So husband, it is a, a gracious and compassionate leadership just as Jesus Christ's leadership was gracious and compassionate. I don't know how, how your, your house works. Um, in our house, Aaron does the grocery shopping I think that's mostly because she knows if I go grocery shopping, I'm coming home with bags of ramen noodles, frozen pizzas, and probably a few packs of Oreos. And, and, and so she, she says it's because she knows where everything's at and it's just easier. I, I know the real reason. But what happens is Erin comes home from grocery shopping and, and she comes in the house and she's got a couple bags of groceries. And I'm like, hey, babe, I'll, I'll go get the rest of the groceries. Don't worry about it. So I walk out to the car and, and I'll open the door and I look in and I'm counting the, counting the bags. I'm like, I can do this in two trips easy, but I think I can pull it off in one. I'm sure I can. So I'm reaching in, I'm grabbing, like the first is the, the bag of frozen stuff, so you throw that over your shoulder because that's got the long strap. But now you're, you're uneven, so you grab the two cartons of milk, one with your pinky and one with your thumb, and you're using that to bounce out, and then you're sliding the other bags up your arm, and you're trying to walk out. And I know, every time I know this, as soon as I get everything on my arms, I'm going to start trying to walk to the car. I'm going to run into to the other car. I'm going to bang into the door. I'm going to have trouble getting the door open because my hands are full. But there's something in me that constantly goes, I can do this in one trip. I can, I can pull this off. And I think this is the way that we approach submission in our marriages. Because I, I don't think we... I don't think we dismiss the idea of submission because it's not in our best interest. I think we do it because it's not in our own interests, right? I know, I know that the best thing for me to do is take two trips with these bags, but I really want to do it in one. 
I know that in our marriage relationships, the best thing we can do is submit to one another. But I don't really, I, I, I don't really want to do that. So how do, we, how do we do this? How do we come to this point of going, I know that I don't really want to submit, but God has called me to submit. God has called me to set aside my will for the leadership of another. Well, first of all, wives, for you, understand that the struggle to submit goes back to the curse at the fall. If we go back to, to Genesis chapter three, the fall of Adam and Eve, one of the curses that's laid out is, is God says to Eve, he says, your desire will be for your husband. And, and what that means, if, if we dive into the, the original language there, is that he's saying, your desire will be to have the place of your husband. Your desire will be for the authority of your husband. Your desire will be to rule your family. And, and this, this is where we, this is, I think, why we have in the New Testament four different times where wives are called to submit to their husbands. Because we know that this goes against what comes up in the fall. So this is a, 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 natural, uh, a natural struggle. But here's, here's how you overcome this. Wives, allow your husbands to lead your family. Allow your husbands to be the spiritual leaders of your family. I'm not saying that's easy. And... and, and I'm not saying that, that it'll come very quickly, but give your husband the space to be the leader. See, our marriages will always be stronger when we operate the way we're created to. So you may look at your husband and go, I, I don't think my husband really wants to lead the family. That may be true. But if you want a healthy biblical relationship, you have to come to that place where you're willing to submit to his leadership. Husbands, we've already talked about this, but your responsibility here is to lead and to lead well, to step up. We live in a culture that says, husbands, you can take off. We live in a culture that says, husbands, it's not manly of you to, to love. It's not manly of you to cry. It's not manly of you to take care of the spiritual aspect of your family. But that's exactly what scripture tells us. The man does. You lead and you lead compassionately and you lead tenderly. Uh, I, I mean, how this looks, it could be something as simple as, are you praying with your wife? Are you praying with your wife daily? Uh, Aaron and I have been married for just over three years. Uh, I, I could count on two hands the number of nights where I have not prayed out loud for her before we went to bed. It's something that we decided, that's something I needed to do as the godly leader of our family is to pray for her every night before we go to bed. Now, I'm not saying these are always, you know, deep theological prayers. There's nights where it's, God, thank you for another day. Thank you for getting us through this. Amen. Boom, I'm out. Okay, but, but she knows that I love her. She knows that I am looking out for our family's well-being, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. I'm seeking the best for her. And husbands, remember that conquering is not the same as leading. If we lead with fear and intimidation, we've failed as husbands. Now, what if you're not married? Say you're sitting here, you go, I'm not married. What do I do with this? You have, 
if, if you are an unmarried person, you have literally millions of places in your life where you can submit. I will guarantee God has surrounded you with people who seek your best interest, who want the best for your life, who have wisdom to give. And if you are seeking them, if you are submitting to that, you will grow. You will continue to become the person God has created you to be. See, we all live in the context of many, many relationships. And we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis, if I were to ask my spouse, if I were to ask my family, if I were to ask my friends, would they say that I'm willing to submit to them? Do I do what is in the best interests of others? Do I seek the leadership of those God has placed in my life? So to love, to love biblically, we must submit to one another, putting ourselves at the mercy of what is best for one another. But in our humble submission, Paul continues in this passage to challenge us to sacrifice for one another. So our challenge number four is to sacrifice for one another. If we go back to Ephesians 5, uh, starting in, in verse 25, Paul's, Paul's first word to the husband is, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. What Paul's saying is he is, he is imploring the husbands to love their wives. If we look at the Greek, it's, it's this verb that um, they would technically call, um, they technically call it an imperative. Okay, it's not a suggestion. It's not a command that they, they can go, oh, that's probably a good idea. No, he's saying you love. It's an unconditional command. What Paul is saying is, husbands, there is absolutely nothing your wife can do that should make you stop loving her. There is absolutely nothing she can do that should make you stop loving her. The example, again, is, is throughout Scripture. I mean, we go back to Hosea, right? Hosea's wife is a prostitute. She runs out on him over and over again. He continues to go and grab her and bring her back into the house. He continues to love her. God does this over and over with the Israelites in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ does this to us daily. He says, there's absolutely nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Husbands, this is the exact same command that you have. And you love, your, you love your, your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This gave himself up for her uh, is also translated uh, as he handed himself over. Jesus handed himself over. See, what we see here is, is that the God of infinite power and of ultimate control handed himself over to the will of those far less significant than he because of his love. He sacrificed. And this is where we as husbands are. We are to constantly, continually give ourselves over to our wives. Whether she accepts it, whether she acknowledges it, whether she rejects it, totally irrelevant. We give ourselves over for our wives. We, we, 1 John, again, in, in chapter 4, 19, says we love because God first loved us. So that God who gives himself over continually, who draws us back, 
is our example. Paul goes on in, in verses 28 through 29, and he illustrates this with the idea of, uh, of no one hates their own body. We love our bodies. We nourish it. We take care of it. I think the image that comes to my mind is, uh, let's say you're sitting here right now. Let's, let's pretend you're sitting here right now. <laughs> and you, you're thinking, okay, Jonathan's talking. I really wish he'd stop. Second is, man, I got these really good steaks at home that I'm just, I can't wait to get home and grill up these steaks. Your stomach's growling a little bit. You're thinking, man, there's a, there's a football game on this afternoon. I cannot wait to go catch this game. And again, I wish Jonathan would hurry up, make his point and get on. So you're sitting here, we finished the sermon. We get up, we sing some songs. You stand up, you raise your hands, you sing the words. Hey, you're dismissed. Boom, you're out the door. Right, and halfway down the steps out here, you fall. And you break your leg. I mean, this, is, this isn't some little twisted ankle. This is like, you got bones sticking out the side of your leg. This is, this is just a grotesque. Like, you look at it, and you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm out. What's your concern at that moment? Do you care anymore about that football game that's on this afternoon? Does that have any relevance to your life at all? No, you want to get to the hospital. You want to get this thing fixed. You want to get it set so that, uh, so that it can heal, so that you can walk. This is, this is how we care for our bodies. When something's wrong, we take care of it. We don't wait. Well, some of us wait. There are things I wait on that Aaron it goes nuts because I, like, I have teeth falling out of my head. They're broken teeth that I've had for like years. She's like, just go get them. Totally beside the point. But if there's something really wrong with our bodies, we're going to fix it. Right? If you haven't eaten all day, you're going to eat. And this way that we care for our bodies is the same way that we as husbands should care for our wives. Whatever is wrong with her, whatever is happening in our wife's life, we set ourselves aside. We set our own concerns, our own desires, our own hopes. We set that aside and we take care of our wives. We give ourselves up for her just as Christ gave himself up for the church. Husbands, this is serious, serious business. If you're sitting here today and you go, yeah, that's all good, but I don't know if I really love my wife anymore. We've been through this. I just don't feel the same way I, I used to feel about her. Husbands, I'm going to let you in on a secret. That's on you. Okay, that's your fault. That is not on your wife. Your job is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Your job is to constantly and consistently Give yourself up for her. Doesn't matter what she does. Doesn't matter what her response is. You love your wife. This means that we have to dig deep past everything that our culture tells us. We have to go beyond the, the happy feelings that our culture says this is love. And we have to understand the core of love. Husbands, we can show this in, in any number of ways. It, they don't have to be these massive shows. It's, it's something as simple as uh, the dishes need to be done at home. And that's not your job. Do the dishes. 
You've been working all day. You're tired. Come home. Make dinner for your, for your wife, for the family. Saturday morning, you've worked all week. You need a nap. Take the kids out. Give your wife a day to herself. She wants that day to herself just as much as you do. Surrender yourself for your wife. Wives, you're to submit to your husbands. And he is to sacrifice to you. Don't forget that his sacrifice needs to be acknowledged. Men are doers. We're going to tend to um, try to fix everything. And we're going to do lots of stuff. And I can guarantee you that there will be times where your husband is sacrificing for you that you don't even recognize it. And you're going to have a tendency to go, well, my husband doesn't, doesn't sacrifice for me. He doesn't give things up for me. I'm doing all the work in this relationship. But, but I can assure you, if you dig deep, if you look Your husband is sacrificing for you on some level. And he needs to know that. He needs to hear that you acknowledge his giving. You want to build your husband up? You want to see him give better? Encourage him when he does. For those of you who, uh, who aren't married... You can surrender at any time to friends, to family members. There's, there's thousands of chances throughout your week to help others, to sacrifice on their behalf. Maybe it's a Saturday morning to help somebody move. Maybe it's giving up a weeknight to watch your friend's kids so they can go on a date. It, it works for your church family too. Just because you're not married doesn't mean you can't serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. I would encourage you, if you're not married, start sacrificing for people now. Because if you're not sacrificing for people now, when you get married, it's going to be much more difficult to start a lifestyle of sacrifice at that point. Develop that habit now. Develop that, that love for sacrificial giving today. I think all of this leaves us with, with the question of where in my life am I displaying Christ-like sacrifice? If you talk to Aaron, as soon as we're done here, and you say, does Jonathan sacrifice like Christ? She should be able to say yes. I don't always give her that opportunity because I fail at this constantly. But I hope that throughout our three years of marriage, I've, I've done better at it. I've worked harder at it. I've continued to come back and say, God, how can I give more for my wife? If we were to truly examine the motives of our heart, are they set on the well-being of others? Or are they set on our own desires, our own status, and our own position in life? You see, our example is that of Jesus Christ, right? We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth. We serve a God who created you and me to have a perfect relationship where we walk side by side with him, where there is no separation between us. 
But because you and I mess this up, there's distance. But we serve a God who loves us so much that he continually comes back to us. He continually gives us opportunity to know him. He continually sacrifices so that, so that we can have a relationship with him. To the point to where he sacrificed his only son. Where Jesus Christ came to the earth, wrapped himself in human flesh, submitted himself to humanity, walked this earth, lived the life that you and I were created to live, died a death that our sins deserve to die, rose from the grave, conquered death, conquered sin, so that you and I can spend eternity at the side of the Father where only Jesus Christ deserves to stand. That is humble submission and sacrificial love. Jesus was the picture of submission. He was the picture of love for us when we neither were in a position to demand submission nor deserving of his love. The humility and care that he modeled and continues to model for us is not limited to just our marital relationships. Although we know that the Christian marriage is the perfect place to practice these things, to work these things out. But we must constantly be seeking places to extend what we have learned to our spouses, to our families, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to a lost, hurting, and hopeless world that surround us. And church, when we do this, we will be, as Paul says, walking in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you. We know we are in no way, shape, or form worthy of standing in your presence. But because you have first loved us, because you have sacrificed, because of Jesus' act of submission and humble servitude, you have given us the chance to come before you, to admit that we are, we are fallen, to admit that we fail, to admit that, that we don't do these things right, and God, often we don't do them well. But to know that we are forgiven. That you have washed us clean in the blood of Christ. So that we can get up off the ground. And we can try again. That we can learn to, to submit. That we can learn to sacrifice. And that we can learn to love. God, let that, let that just saturate us this week. That every conversation we have with our spouse, every interaction, every time we play with our children, every time we speak to a coworker, 
Remind us of what it looks like to love. Because God, that, we know that that is the distinction of the Christian faith. That we love because we know we have been loved in ways that we don't deserve. Father God, you are so good. And we thank you so much for who you are, for all that you've done in our lives. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.